Welcome to the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. Here are your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Stahl. All right, welcome to our podcast where we cover business in the news and I answer your business legal questions that you, the listener, can send in to ask at LegallySoundSmartBusiness.com. This is Nasser Pasha. This is Matt Staub. Very cool. I'm really excited about today's episode because we get to talk about Apple, which is funny because I don't have one Apple device I can think of in my house. I'm pretty much the exact opposite, so yeah. <laughs> that's good. we're good ends of the spectrum here. I actually noticed the other day, my wife and I have, like, she basically just has the smaller version of every single thing I have, laptop, iPad, (laughs) and phone. Like, they're all the exact same, just smaller. It's really weird. I don't actually have an aversion against Apple. I actually started with Apple computers from the Apple IIe to the MacBook and things like that when I was young. And that's how I got into, like, my tech geeky phase. But I don't know. Since then, I've just kind of been a Microsoft Android guy and haven't really switched back. Yeah, I figured you would. You don't like to go with what most people do. I think actually today is the release of the new iPhone. So I think there was people waiting outside, which I think is pretty stupid. But I don't know why you need to camp outside for days to get a phone. But yeah, <laughs> to each his own. I, they do that every year. So what do we got today? This deals with the new operating system Apple has, iOS 8. And what Apple is saying is if the police come to them trying to get some sort of information from a user's phone. Apple is saying, you know, the operating system does not let us unlock the individual's device and we cannot get in to see what they have. I mean, I assume it's some sort of incriminating picture or email or text message or video or something. I don't know what else there is after that, but that's basically what they're saying. And so (laughs) this is pretty interesting. I guess keep in mind, this doesn't apply to the iCloud, which I guess opens up a whole different can of worms, but I guess I'll take their word for it, but I don't know if I really believe that they have no possible way of getting into someone's phone, especially given what's kind of happened over the last few weeks <laughs> and the recent addition of, uh, you don't have an iPhone. So everyone that had an iPhone all of a sudden woke up and had a whole U2 album on their phone this past week. Yeah. I did hear about that. So I guess I'll believe him for now, but I'm kind of skeptical this is the case. Yeah, I think this is a pretty actually interesting thing that Apple did. And this is the reason I think they did this is because I'm, I'd am i be surprised if this doesn't expand to their iCloud as well somehow. But basically all these different companies, whether it's all these big companies, Google, Microsoft, Apple, and Facebook, they get tons of subpoenas every day from the federal government requesting release of certain information. And this past year has been just full of leaks and information and news about this. And almost to the extent that if these companies refuse to do so, then they're going to be fined by the federal government. And of course, this has been an instance of controversy. But here now, what Apple's saying is that they're kind of relieving themselves here because there was a new law or a new case that passed this last year that also said that When you're arrested, the general rule is that they need a warrant to actually look inside your phone. And so this kind of alleviates that kind of step is that, okay, don't get us involved because this is between you and the user. And if he or she has a password, you have to go through them or break the device in order to get in with a hammer. (laughs) Yeah. Don't know if that'll work, but that was my thought too on this is maybe they just want to try to have the police come to them less often or less subpoenas. But I think it's still going to happen every time because... 
like I said at the beginning, it doesn't apply to the iCloud, which yeah. unless you're like me, which I don't have enough memory on my phone to back up what I have on there for whatever reason. Yeah. So doesn't all the information that you have on your phone gets backed up to the cloud anyway? Or is, is it just not everything? Mine is partial because I don't have enough space to back everything up. So, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> But basically everything I have on there is backed up anyway. So I, they're still going to get the subpoenas and they're still going to have to address them because if someone has anything on the iCloud that's the same on their phone, that's kind of the go around to get it. So I, it's not like the police are dumb about this. I, I just don't know. Yeah. I guess maybe it'll prevent it a little bit, but I don't think it's going to be too much. And like I said, I'm, I'm skeptical. They said that they can't unlock the device. So what if someone doesn't even have a passcode on their phone, then does that make it different or? It makes me think that, okay, if I have a passcode on my device, then maybe the police may not be able to unlock it, but Verizon may be able to because they have some kind of unlock code even for my passcode. But it almost seems that Apple's saying, okay, we don't even have that. But, you know, this is a hot topic because even small, medium-sized businesses that are entering spaces where they're storing personal information, whether it's, you know, simple data backup or a social media site or different startups, right, that has sensitive information, this question is asked, like, Okay, what if the government sends us a subpoena to release information? And yeah, you may have the right to fight the subpoena, but it can be very costly. And then at the end of the day, you're not necessarily protecting your information, you're protecting your customer's information. And a lot of companies make the choice, well, let's just do it. And sometimes the customers don't even know their information is being seized. And so what I've seen done, I haven't had a client do it, but I've, what I've seen done is actually have even all the data that is online or in the system of the company also encrypted in a way that only the user can decrypt it. It's the same way that passwords are stored in databases in the sense that, you know, I don't want to get into the technical part, not that I know much about it, but how even your actual password is encrypted in the database and in such a way that literally only the user can unlock that data with his or her password, assuming that it's not a simple password and assuming that it's not breakable, etc. So it's kind of an interesting way to doing it. That's why I'm thinking that perhaps this should be expanded to the iCloud and other places where all your data is encrypted. But of course, that from a technical perspective, I think that's a challenge. It slows things down, etc. And it's costly. I'll agree with that. <laughs> Oh, I think it was a pretty interesting change, I believe. I, I hope Android follows. Uh, you know, iPhone and Apple have always been in the forefront of many technological innovations in this respect, and I think this is a good one. Yeah, like I said before, I don't know how much this is really going to prevent, just because if it's backed up, then... Then they can get it anyway. If it's in the cloud, yeah, they'll be able to get it anyways, but... Well, I think it just makes it much more difficult. Like a local police department may not want to go through the effort and subpoena an Apple to get stuff off the iCloud and so forth. Of course, it depends what it is, too. I mean, I'm sure if it's a major crime, then I'm sure they'll go through that process. I guess we'll get into the question of the day. Here we are. I would like to find out if on-call temporary registered slash vocational nurses who are paid per visit in a home care agency can be classified as independent contractors. They usually work for other home agencies and visit other patients. Yeah, this is a typical independent contractor versus employee classification question. It's typical that it's that question, but it's not typical in the sense that it's a very touchy issue. A lot of times we've talked about this in the past, how let's take a look at factors of control and so forth. But then every so often you have certain positions and certain occupations for which the IRS or other governing agencies have 
spoken specifically about in giving guidelines for employers or companies that employ certain personnel and how they classify it. And so in this case, they didn't say what state it is, but I don't think it matters. Let's just look at this from a federal perspective. And as you guys know, there's different tests depending upon the different regulatory agency, whether it's for workers' compensation or for the IRS taxes and withholdings and so forth. So from IRS perspective, what do we have here, Matt? Well, from the IRS perspective, it looks like they've Obviously, we'll preface it by saying it's case-by-case situation, so I can't answer completely, but it looks like a lot of these times in similar situations, they've classified these individuals as employees just because of the nature of what they're doing. So, you know, they might be working for different places or they might be affiliated with multiple places, but, you know, they're being told when they're going to work. They're being told the procedures they need to follow, and you can kind of see that control that's there, and you can see how... They don't really have the discretion to pick and choose when they want to work and and what they can do. It's you show up today, you do this, and follow these guidelines. And you compare that to physicians that may still be, like he or she describes, as on-call, paid on a per-visit. But a physician, by its nature, is licensed to have independent judgment and has that. Whereas even though registered nurses are very close to being physicians anyway, there seems to be a little bit more involved when it comes to a strict standardized procedure. But I would say this, that probably the default from an analytical perspective is to consider them employees and then back up from there to see if there's any exceptions to that or or if there's kind of a big variance to what you do compared to what other people have done in similar circumstances. But is this guy describing an agency or are these nurses being outsourced from an agency or are they, I don't know if it says so. Yeah, I'm not sure either. And I, I will say that the fact that it's home care, I've read a couple of things where that might tilt it a little bit more towards an independent contractor sort of relationship, but these are always impossible to answer just because there's no right or wrong just based on what we have. But yeah, you know, this still seems to be a decent amount of control that's exerted over the individual. So, so what's our answer? This is a tough one. Again, these independent contractor employee questions, when they ask for a specific answer like this, it's always very difficult. Attorneys and law firms are very hesitant to give opinion letters on this anyway, let alone on a casual radio show like this. But I would say that just as like any other questions that was asked of us in this regard as to the safest ways to classify them as employees and then work your way back from that way. If you really want to rely upon getting them an independent contractor status, I would get an opinion letter from an attorney. Yeah, I'll agree. And I mean, everything you kind of read about is, it seems like it's going more, I would think in the past they were kind of viewed as independent contractors and it's going away from that yeah. moving forward. So err on the safe side or if, you, know, you want to go for it, then just go for it, I guess. Independent contractor, <laughs> everybody. Don't follow that advice though. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to leave us some positive five-star reviews on iTunes. And we really appreciate that. And it really helps us out. Thank you for joining. Yep. Keep us on and keep it smart. This has been the Legally Sound Smart Business Show with your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Stop. The Legally Sound Smart Business Show is your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. Legally Sound Smart Business is a podcast that is intended but not promised or guaranteed to be current, complete, or up-to-date, and should in no way be taken as an indication of future results. No attorney-client relationship is created by listening or submitting questions to the podcast. The podcast does not constitute legal advice. 
but rather is offered only for general informational and educational purposes. You should not act or rely on any information in the podcast without first seeking the advice of an attorney. The opinions expressed in the podcast reflect the views of those individuals and do not necessarily represent the views of any other individual or business. For more information about the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, visit LegallySoundSmartBusiness.com.